Blog Talk Radio. Daddy, where do babies come from? Uh, well, uh... Honey? Mommy went to the store. Oh, well, you see, um, well, there's a mommy and a daddy, right? Right. And see, when they call Geico, uh, they could save a bunch of money on car insurance. Oh, really? And that makes them happy? Yes, that makes them very happy. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could have this talk, sunshine. <laughs> Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. Blog Talk Radio. new music and uh, we are back in southwest florida this is dr ron with the uh dr time with dr ron show and on rejuvenations health radio welcome everybody we are going to try and broadcast this program today in high definition hi-fi radio i hope it all works out this is the first time we've done this in a while so let's see what happens so, ladies and gentlemen, how is everybody? Uh, your host had a great time in Palmas del Mar in Puerto Rico, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we are brought to you by LipoLite Naples and Naples Cryo Spa. They are located at 1575 Pine Ridge Road, Suite Number 6, in sunny Naples, Florida, 1575 Pine Ridge Road. The phone number there is 239-331-5886, 239-331-5886. And please go down and see Dr. Cool and make an appointment to have the treatment in the only private nitrogen chamber in Southwest Florida. That phone number is 239-658-COOL, C-O-O-L, which is 2665-658-2665. And if you're in Southwest Florida and you turn, tune in on February, I think it's the 10th, if that's a Thursday, uh, maybe that's the 11th, make that February 11th at 10 p.m. on Fox News Channel, you'll see Dr. Ron and his cryo spa. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, and I'll get the correct date before the end of the show, but I'm pretty sure it's a Thursday, February 11th at 10 p.m. Well, we had a great time in Puerto Rico, and we had two great guests. We had Enrique Toro with the Tower Garden, and we had Rita Molinelli, uh, who is the president of the PHA. She is also an attorney and a real estate advisor. She is uh, she knows a lot about what's going on in uh, Palmas del Mar, and. Uh, if you want to reach her, her cell phone number is 787-487-2995. And her work number, same area code, 787-285-5058. Uh, 
And as you know, all our shows are archived, so you can go back on the Internet and listen to any of these shows, get whatever numbers you uh, want to, and give Rita a call and spend a week or two in Palmas Del Mar. Very affordable, really beautiful, right on the, the Caribbean. So our guest two weeks ago was Enrique Toro of the Tower Garden, towergarden.com, and we talked about how to grow plants aeroponically, that is, without soil. And uh, we had a great discussion, and uh, I had a chance to try some of the cucumbers he raised from his garden, which were fantastic. Well, it turns out that there might be more to try growing our own vegetables than, uh, you know, we all uh, should take take notice of. There's been a recent article by, uh, doc, uh, by Dr. Michael Rosenbaum and an Ernest Hubbard, and... Um, just briefly to summarize, they talk about thallium. And I, I talked about thallium about six months ago. I said that kale was a sponge for thallium. Well, thallium is a heavy metal with toxic effects so significant. It was actually banned for, for use in American consumer products in 1972, more than two decades before lead was prohibited in gasoline. The toxicity of thallium rivals that of mercury and lead and the three metals appear consecutively on the periodic table. Mercury, atomic number 80, thallium, atomic number 81, and lead, atomic number 82. And thallium is rapidly absorbed in all tissues of the body. It can be inhaled. It is absorbed directly through the skin on contact. And it can be consumed in food and liquids. And once thallium is absorbed, it dissolves quickly in liquids and disperses readily into every cell in your body. That's why it's so extremely and exceptionally to toxic. So why am I telling you this? Well, there have been patients who have been reporting symptoms of chronic thallium exposure. For, ex this, for example, toxicity due to this chronic exposure include fatigue, headaches, depression, hallucinations, psychosis, dementia, poor appetite, leg pain, hair loss, and disturbances of vision. And chronic thallium poisoning can occur over a period of months or years due to absorption, as I said, from skin, respiratory tract, or GI tract. Well, there have been some cases reported in the literature about thallium poisoning. And just to summarize that, uh, one person, uh, when they finally were getting down to what was causing his symptoms. The uh, authors of this article stumbled across a Czechoslovakian paper from 2006 titled Uptake of Thallium from Artificially Contaminated Soils by Kale. How about that? In this study and article, it was stated directly in the abstract that, quote, it can be concluded that the ability of some plants in the Brassica family that are planted as common vegetables to accumulate thallium and very uh, is very high and can be a serious danger for food chains, unquote. And as you know, kale is a, sort of an icon for the green movement. And so uh, we'll talk more about this at another time because it, it could be uh, significant in our health. Uh, we have to, as we said at the beginning of the year, take uh, responsibility for our health. And there will be more uh, studies going on uh, 
regarding this important finding because if patients continue to replenish the source of thallium every day with kale drinks or stir-fried vegetables, uh, they may never be able to get to get cured. So thallium, and we did, and to, to, to credit of Rejuvenation Health Radio, we did report uh, on this a while back. Um, also, uh, there's been some recent articles about uh, green, fresh vegetables, uh, keeping your instance of glaucoma down. So not to bore you about with that article, but again, uh, maybe this aeroponic gardening is something to it because it uses all organic fertilizer and you go out and you just pick it and you can grow it inside and outside and it takes up a small amount of space, the size of a five gallon bucket. And um, so we'll we'll talk to Enrique Toro again about this at some point in time. So I hope everybody's doing good. I hope uh, our bad attitudes uh, are getting uh, fixed like a flat tire so we you know, can get on with our life uh, because if you have a flat tire, you can't go anyplace until you change it. And the same applies to a bad attitude, ladies and gentlemen. So we thought today we would talk about coffee, alcohol, and salt. And I hope this high-definition radio broadcast is coming through loud and clear. And I won't know until the end of the show, sorry to say. So coffee, alcohol, and salt. Well, you know that I'm a I'm a fan of coffee, and despite what you thought, it seems that Java does not give you the jitters. And there's been a lot of good news about uh, this cup of joe, and cup of coffee, but people always talk about heart palpitations uh, as a source of concern. In fact, the link between caffeine and cardiac fluttering is something we have heard about for so long, it's just we just assumed it was factual. But now it's starting to sound uh, like it's not so factual. It might be a wives' tale because a study of nearly 1,400 seniors, average age of 72, could not find the slightest connection between coffee consumption and premature ventricular contractions. So you may have heard them talked about as PVCs, and the pre- and premature atrial contractions, PACs. These are two kinds of palpitations that are now linked to serious heart problems. But these researchers could not find them related to caffeine. And that research was part of a larger heart study. Uh, it did not just involve asking the study participants about their caffeinated drinking habits. All the subjects wore a portable hot monitoring device. So rather than just saying, well, how did you feel after you drank the coffee, uh, whatever, they were able to objectively with a heart monitor see how everyone's heart was beating. Isn't that incredible? And those results said the lead researcher, Dr. Gregory Marcus, should be enough reason for doctors to reconsider the standard warning that these beverages might disturb cardiac rhythms. That advice, he cautioned, could discourage consumption of coffee, tea, or even chocolate. That also comes with a lot of healthy heart benefits. And in fact, the researchers found that habitual coffee drinkers actually had a lower risk of coronary artery disease. But that's in keeping with the results of two nurses' health studies that we told you about in December, which found that 
those who consume three to five cups of joe a day are 15% less likely to die prematurely. And as I we've talked about, and the study's co-authors uh, talk about, is that coffee contains many different nutrients and phytochemicals that may work in sync with each other to maximize health benefits. You realize nearly 60% of Americans drink coffee, and for most it's a daily habit. And as we said, coffee drinking has long been viewed as more of a vice or a crutch to get a quick energy boost or power through the day. But the benefits of coffee are changing this view. And, of course, as we said, the good news of, uh, for those of us who sip our coffee or a cup of joe in the morning, as it turns out, it may be a quite healthy way to start your day. But I want to remind you that coffee is one of the most heavily pesticide-sprayed crops in the world. So if you drink it, try and get the organic kind. That is uh, – Sorry to say, it's only it's only about three percent of the coffee produced. But if you can find the co- the, the uh, organic coffee, uh, that would be great. And and in, in addition to coffee not being associated with cardiac arrhythmias or those PACs or PVCs, among people with advanced stage colon cancer, drinking four or more cups of caffeinated coffee daily lowered the risk of cancer recurrence and dying. During the no coffee, drinking two or three cups per day was also beneficial, lowering the risk of recurrence of, and death by 31%. The researchers in that study stressed that other caffeinated beverages, such as soda, did not, remember, did not have that same effect. No link was found between decaffeinated coffee and the risk of colon cancer recurrence either. So it was the good old cup of joe, the regular natural coffee, not the decaffeinated, not the soda with the added caffeine. So there's just so many things coming out about coffee. In fact, coffee has been linked to a lower risk of type 2 diabetes. Isn't that incredible? And as we talked about, it's likely that it's the compounds in coffee that may lower the risk of multiple chronic diseases. The New York Times said, quote, the researchers' hypothesis is that the factors that increase risk for type 2 diabetes, such as obesity, a sedentary lifestyle, and high high insulin levels, also drive colon cancer. Dr. Charles S.J. Fuchs, director of the Gastrointestinal Cancer Center at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston said, and many studies have shown that coffee consumption is associated with a lower risk of type 2 diabetes, a chronic illness that may increase the risk of colon cancer. Dr. Fuchs says, we believe that activating the energy pathways that contribute to heart disease and diabetes is also relevant for the proliferation of cancer cells. But Dr. Fuchs, of course, said, as he rightfully should say, we need more research in that area. So what else does research say about our cup of joe? 
Well, a number of individual studies have suggested coffee consumption might increase your cancer risk. When multiple studies are analyzed, such as the case with a meta-analysis, the association disappears, and in fact, it shows that coffee is really quite protective. And, you know, coffee has other additional benefits for, for liver health, slowing down the progression of liver disease, uh, improving responses in people with hepatitis C, and lowering the risk of death in people with cirrhosis. The potential benefit of coffee for liver health appears so strong that the researchers have stated daily coffee consumption should be encouraged in people with chronic liver disease. And coffee drinking was also associated in clinical studies with a reduced risk of bladder, breast, buccal, pharyngeal, colorectal, endometrial, esophageal, hepatocellular, leukemia, pancreatic, and prostate cancers. Seems like a lot, and I, I would agree that more study is needed, but the, the takeaway is that coffee is not dangerous to your health. They, there's also uh, a study that's, that's published that's, that states that drinking four cups of caffeinated coffee daily might reduce, might, that's the critical word there, might reduce your risk of melanoma. And the researchers state that coffee constituents suppress UVB, that's ultraviolet light B, induce skin carcinogens, that's skin cancer, and induce cell apoptosis, that's premature dying of the cells, and protect against oxidative stress and DNA damage and reduce inflammation in the cells of the skin, et cetera. And they use some DNA manipulation and so forth. But basically, uh, coffee seems to protect uh, you against skin cancer. Women who consume more than three cups of coffee a day had a significantly lower risk of basal cell cancer, that's the non-melanoma type, than those that consume one cup a day. So roasted coffee, it contains more than 1,000 compounds, many of which may help fight cancer. That's what we've been talking about. I have lots and lots of studies on on coffee. I'm not going to bore you with each and every one of them. Uh, But coffee is uh, full of antioxidants, and uh, it may have, uh, as we said, uh, protective effects against cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and your brain, the benefits of coffee are becoming well established, so well established that for the first time a government advisory committee included the mention of caffeine in its recommendations for the 2015 edition of the Dietary Guidelines. The report said Americans could safely consume up to five cups of coffee a day or approximately 400 milligrams of caffeine with no detrimental effects. That recommendation was based on an evaluation of multiple meta-analyses and other studies evaluating the link between coffee and chronic diseases, including cancer, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease. And uh, I'll give you a sample. As far as heart health is concerned, in a study of 25,000 people, Those who drank a moderate amount of coffee, defined as three to five cups a day, were less likely to have calcium deposits in their coronary arteries than those who drank no coffee or more than those five cups a day. So a large part of that plaque that uh, we talk about consists of calcium deposits, atherosclerosis, hence the term hardening of the arteries. And coronary artery calcium can be a significant predictor of future heart disease risk. 
Another study showed that moderate coffee drinking reduces your chances of being hospitalized for heart rhythm problems. Another study showed it may trigger a 30% increase in blood flow in the small blood vessels. That could take some strain off your heart. Another study, which was a meta-analysis, included lots of other, it was a study of studies, and that included data from 11 studies and 480,000 people, and it found that drinking two to six cups of coffee a day was associated with a lower risk of stroke. It's associated with improvement in dementia. It promotes the production of neurotransmitters, uh, namely serotonin, dopamine, and noradrenaline, and triggers the release of brain-derived neurotrophic factors. Anyway, bottom line is it's, it's, it is a great source and probably the number one source of antioxidants in the United States. So the antioxidants in coffee include significant amounts of hydrocinamic acid and polyphenols. Antioxidants are nature's way of providing your cells with adequate defense against the attack by reactive oxygen species. Boy, how about decaf coffee before we get off of this? The coffee beans used to make decaffeinated or decaf undergo a process to remove most of the caffeine. In order to be labeled decaffeinated, the coffee must have 97% of the original caffeine content removed. This may be preferable for those who are highly sensitive to caffeine, but there are some considerations. For starters, some of the research on coffee as far as its health benefits are concerned, have shown caffeinated coffee to be more effective than decaf. In particular, caffeinated coffee has been linked to lower risk of liver damage, etc. But one of the most commonly used methods uh, to decaffeinate coffee is called the direct process, which uses the, the chemical methyl chloride to remove the caffeine from the coffee beans. Starbucks, for instance, uses this process on most of its decaf brews Although it also offers a natural, uh, uh, offers a naturally processed decaf, the Sumatra blend. So the, the National Cancer Institute lists methyl chloride as a possible carcinogen. So it's something you're better off avoiding, even in trace amounts, and go with the natural decaffeination process, which is uh, you know only the carbon dioxide or Swiss water methods are allowed in coffee that's certified organic. Well, what is there another option? I guess uh, if you're looking for a lower caffeine blend, you might want to choose the Arabica beans, which naturally have about half the caffeine as the Robusta beans. Uh, so also keep in mind that even decaf coffee is not caffeine-free. A typical cup still can contain 3 to 18 milligrams of caffeine. Uh, how do you ruin a coffee? The best way to drink it is black, without sugar, without non-dairy creamers, without cream or flavoring. So if you're dousing your cup of coffee with with uh, in creamer, non-dairy creamer, sugar, and sweeteners and flavorings, you're missing out on the therapeutic benefits and potentially harming your health. Uh, so, you know, you got to drink your your Joe Black in order to get the full benefit of the of your coffee. So ladies and gentlemen, so we've got we've we've talked about caffeine and we're gonna talk more about caffeine. We're gonna just take a a 
quick break to hear a a radio commercial that Dr. Ron is running in the Southwest Florida area, along with Dr. Biggs. Uh, So uh, just have a quick listen. This is Dr. Ron Repesey of Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Spa, your place to chill at 239-658-COOL. If you've not heard of whole body cryotherapy and suffer with back pain, joint pain, arthritis, fibromyalgia, or you're an athlete that wants quick recovery from sports injuries, then come chill with us at Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Sauna. Cryo Spa treatments take only three minutes and are supervised by physicians. Sessions are one-on-one in a private environment. Each treatment can also burn five to 800 calories. As seen on Dr. Oz, Cool Cryo Spa is truly amazing technology. Let's hear what Dr. Kurt Biggs, a well-respected orthopedic surgeon in Naples, has to say about Cool Cryotherapy. Hi, I'm Dr. Biggs of the Joint Replacement Institute. Since I started applying the Cool Cryosauna, my patients are healing much quicker and athletes are seeing quick recovery. I recommend this procedure for my surgical patients and athletes. Call Dr. Repesey now to schedule your Cool Cryo trial session, 239-658-COOL, 239-658-2665. Located at 1575 Pine Ridge Road in the Noodles Italian Bistro Plaza. Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Spa. Come chill with us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you have never had the, the opportunity to try that and you're, you have one in your area, if you're in Southwest Florida, of course, I appreciate you coming to LipoLite Naples Cryo Spa. It is an incredible experience. Three minutes at minus 240 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, aches, pains are gone. Energy levels go through the roof. So, uh, Two three nine three three one five eight eight six, and if and if you're in Southwest Florida, uh, you might want to tune in at 10 p.m. on February 11th to see a special with Dr. Ron on the Cryo Spa, and of course it'll be on the website cryonaples.com after it airs on television. Cryonaples.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, there something from Medscape. Medscape is a uh, service provided to physicians. Uh, that summarizes articles, and they they just had one on coffee, and they, it said basically people with moderately increased intake of coffee uh, have a significantly lower mortality risk than coffee non-drinkers. This inverse association between coffee intake and mortality applied not only to all cause mortality, but mortality from cardiovascular or neurologic causes specifically so no matter what uh, these 200,000 participants that were followed for 20 to 30 years generally improved and this this uh, study believe it or not came out of Harvard School of Public Health Dr. Ming Ding M-I-N-G-D-I-N-G Dr. Ding was the lead author of the study. It was published in November of 2015 in the the publication Circulation, which is a great medical journal that all physicians read, especially those concerned with heart disease. Uh, So that's so coffee mortality relationships uh, decrease. So. All in all, Dr. Dink said 31,956 deaths were reported during that period of four million, over 4 million pe- people a year. Uh, this was that nurses' health study I told you about earlier and that I reported on in Rejuvenation's Health Radio. So there was more hazard from not drinking coffee than coffee. They uh, made sure that the people were also non-smokers. They got rid of a lot of the things that could cause people to die. And basically, it just came down that there was association between uh, drinking coffee and overall decrease in mortality. 
So uh, I'm I'm not going to beat up on coffee anymore. I think uh, you know try and drink organic if you can, and uh, and three to five cups a day protects you against a lot of diseases. I will talk a little bit in a second. We'll go back to uh, the tower garden uh, and how these how fresh leafy greens protect against glaucoma. Well, we'll cover cover that in a little bit. So how about salt, ladies and gentlemen? Everybody limiting their salt? Uh, I guess you are. So most physicians were taught that a low-salt diet is a healthy diet. In fact, it was drilled in uh, most physicians' heads that if you have heart failure, you should limit your salt in your diet and tell your patients to limit limit their salt. And it's probably still the standard of care. for cardiologists to recommend pa- uh, patients with heart failure limiting their, to limit their salt. Well, a recent study. Now, this is the American Journal, Journal of the American College of Cardiology, Volume 4, Number 1, January 2016. Now, this is not something anybody made up. This is a legitimate study. It's so... It's sought to evaluate the impact of sodium restriction on heart failure outcomes. The authors enrolled 902 patients with heart failure and followed them for 36 months. And based on the sodium intake, the subjects were classified into sodium restricted, that's under 2,500 milligrams a day, and unrestricted, over 2,500 milligrams a day. The primary outcome was death or hospitalization from heart failure. So they followed these people and uh, either they... If, if they were on under 2,500 or over 2,500 milligrams of sodium a day. And how about the results? Sodium restriction was associated with significantly higher risk of death or heart failure. Hospitalizations were 85% more. According to this study, as compared to those who do not restrict their salt intake, for every six subjects that restricted their salt intake, there will be one increased death or hospitalization for heart failure. So just think about that. There's going to be more death and heart failure from those who restrict their salt intake. The authors concluded, quote, quote, in symptomatic patients with chronic heart failure, sodium restriction may have detrimental impact on outcome. So, ladies and gentlemen, salt is the second major constituent in the human body next to water. If doctors are going to suggest limiting that second major constituent in the body, they should have a good idea and good solid data available to back up the recommendations. So, uh, there has never been good solid data that limiting salt in the diet of heart patients is beneficial. How about that? However, there have been many studies that found the opposite conclusions because salt is a vital nutrient in the body. Most people who limit salt in their diet become miserable as they develop many adverse effects, including high blood pressure. Yeah, I didn't make that up. High blood pressure, brain dysfunction, fatigue, weakness, as well as muscle cramps and leg cramps. So uh, now I guess we can add an increased death rate and hospitalization for heart failure in those that limit salt in their diet. So, you know, we uh, 
in practice, a lot of patients complain of fatigue, and you know you see them with their water bottle in their hand. Well, uh, they're diluting their blood volume so much uh, they don't have uh, an effective circulation, so they get tired all the time. So you know you want to think about salt, and when you think about salt, you want to think about Himalayan salt or Dead Sea salt. You you don't want to uh, uh, use this old sodium chloride. Sodium chloride is not that great, ladies and gentlemen, not that great. Uh, so uh, Dr. D Douglas had written years ago about the PC nonsense uh, about salt, and he was right. You know, he was right years and years and years ago about uh, that we need more salt in our diet. And he was also right about how we guys should have some alcohol in our diet. We'll We'll get into that in a minute. So what else do we have to talk about? So we talk about salt. Salt's pretty easy subject. It's sodium chloride, if the, the refined stuff, and that, that's just junk. It just gives you sodium, which is, uh, makes you retain fluid, and chloride, which makes you acidic, and you don't need that. You need all the other minerals that come with the whole grain salt. So you want to try and eat your foods and have your vegetables as close to nature as possible. Um, all right, let's just take a Remember I told you about green leafy, leafy vegetables? Uh, so one of the best parts of leading a healthy lifestyle is that it doesn't only affect one or two aspects of your health. It makes you healthier overall. Eating vegetables regularly is probably one of the most uh, important aspects of living healthily. Vegetables contain many different antioxidants and other disease-fighting compounds that are very difficult to get anywhere else. And plant chemicals, they're called phytochemicals. They may reduce inflammation or eliminate uh, cancer-causing uh, agents in your blood while, the, while others regulate the rate at which your cells reproduce and how you get rid of your old cells and maintain your uh, DNA. And uh, eating more Green leafy vegetables may lower your glaucoma risk. And as you know, glaucoma is a leading cause of blindness for people over 60. So, uh, again, this is just, I just wanted to bring this to your attention uh, because of uh, our conversations while I was in Puerto Rico about uh, the Tower Garden, how you can grow all your, your vegetables naturally. So, research published in the Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry found microgreens may contain up to six times more vitamin C, E, beta carotene, and nutrients than other mature greens. So, red cabbage, cilantro, amaranth, uh, daikon, radishes are, are known to be particularly nutritious microgreens. And those of you that go to, to Japanese restaurants will recognize a lot of that. So healthy diet, exercise, eat green leafy vegetables uh, may definitely lower your glaucoma risk. Wow. So all we have left to do is talk about booze, a little bit of alcohol. And then I can talk to you about next week's show with Dr. Jerry Smith will be back. He just uh, is returning from uh, lecturing in Italy and some interesting cases that he has come across and some interesting cases which he'll be treating in Canada at the end of February. Uh, he's really changing uh, people's lives uh, without dangerous drugs chemi or chemicals. 
patients who have had pain for years and years and years are now uh, pain-free uh, with uh, the CyberScan and his uh, uh, cranial adjustment. So we'll have Dr. S- uh, Jerry Smith on next week with this latest and exciting uh, things that he's doing. And um, in that vein, that goes along with uh, some uh, of the journals I have been reading lately called Bioresonance Testing. And we'll, we'll ask Dr. Uh, Smith about that, uh, diagnosing and addressing causes of chronic disease through this bioresonant testing and field control therapy. So you want to tune in next week uh, to hear Dr. Jerry Smith talk about this. And we'll talk about the mitochondrial disease. Uh, that's just been brought to my attention by someone that came to my home. But, you know, we'll talk about how Roundup damages your mitochondria, your engines, your of every cell in your body. And we'll talk about the food pyramid scheme, how our government has really just been bought out by big pharmaceutical companies and Monsanto. So we're going to eat some salt, right? We're going to drink some coffee, right? Uh, Are we going to have that that drink? Hmm. Imagine this. You're at your favorite watering hole with your buddies on a Friday night, ready to knock down a couple. But when when it comes time to order, no one asks for liquor, beer, or wine. They ask for tea. Boy, that would be a joy-sucking day, wouldn't it? British House of Health officials are now claiming that all booze is bad and that everyone needs to quit. That's why the tea. Instead of ordering your favorite drink on a Friday night out, British Chief Medical Officer Sally Davies says people should have a cup of tea. Even one single sip of booze will boost your risk of cancer. Well, as Dr. William Douglas was was proud of saying, police, this alarmist, alarmist nonsense has made headlines around the world, even in the United States. Wall Street Journal. Quote, even the tiniest amount of alcohol raises cancer risk, unquote. U.S. News and World Report, quote, put down that drink, unquote. Time Magazine, no safe limit for alcohol, unquote. But what's the headline you should be reading? Quote, pub patrons shrug off U.K. health warnings about alcohol, CBC News. That's right, shrug it off because those new guidelines are guidelines are 100% Bull tacos. Maybe Davies needs a drink to take the edge of whatever, but it is a center into this uh, mode of hers. But as you have uh, heard me say over the over the years of uh, Rejuvenation's Health Radio, alcohol can cut your risk of heart problems, disability, and even death. And I'll talk to you about a study out of Harvard Medical School, not. Both don't cut medical school, but Harvard Medical School, that heart attack patients who drink moderately are 42% less likely to die of heart disease and 14% less likely to die of any cause. A 2009 study from the UCLA, David Geffen School, that's G-E-F-F-E-N, if you want to Google that, School of Medicine, found drinkers are 25% less likely to suffer from independence robbing physical disabilities as they age. Those are just two of hundreds of studies that back booze 
from two of the world's leading universities, yet Davies dismissed the benefits of booze as old wives' tales. Well, if that's the case, it's time to toast to the wisdom of old wives because they got this one right. So what happened in, in 2012? Because it was proven time and time again that drinkers who suffer a heart attack often quit because they've been told by teetotaling know-it-alls to change their habits or else. Well, it turns out there's know-it-alls or know-it-all nothings. That The research in 2012, which uh, at the time I reported, I said the latest research shows there are advice to quit drinking after a heart attack isn't just wrong, it's dead wrong because moderate drinkers who keep at it are actually more likely to survive the recovery and have a better long-term prognosis than non-drinkers. Raise your glass to Harvard, ladies and gentlemen, Harvard School of Medicine for that one because their report in the European Heart Journal, European Heart Journal, Harvard Medical School, and 2,000 men who had heart attack finds that these moderate drinkers are 42% less likely to die of their heart disease and 14% less likely to die of any cause than teetotalers. So when he compared to teetotalers, they were less likely to die of a heart attack 42% of the time and 14% from any other cause. Well, you know, you, you've heard that wine is the best booze for your heart, maybe because of its reservatrol and other antioxidants. The truth is, it's the alcohol itself that gives off the benefit because studies have shown that everything from beer to booze has the same effect on the heart, as long as the habit is a moderate one. So the next time you hear some know-nothing on cork, an anti-booze lecture, lecture back because along with heart benefits, a moderate drinking habit can protect against stroke, diabetes, dementia, and more. So, plus, you know, a stiff drink at the end of the day is one of life's great pleasures, and you don't have to let anyone take it away from you. Gentlemen, uh, geez, we, we did cover coffee. We did cover alcohol. We did cover salt. That's incredible. We actually got through it. So next week, Dr. Jerry Smith on the show. And uh, the following week, uh, I'm still waiting for a confirmation from an ophthalmologist to talk about macular degeneration. And um, I'm going to um, try something. Enrique Toro has a product called Tower Garden. You can see that. Uh, I think uh, that costs $525. Uh, I've been doing some research, I think, at Lowe's. I think we can make one, and I'm going to try that, and I'll report back to you on uh, how that project goes for a lot less money. He may not like that, but, you know, it's not about the money. It's about living healthy, and if we all can afford and build one of these, uh, sure, make life easier for all of us. So I'll I'll report back uh, to you on that. So, ladies and gentlemen, we did cover everything. Uh, we're, we're just glad to be back in Southwest Florida, although we love Puerto Rico. We love Palmas del Mar. We love the people of Palmas del Mar. Uh, we just uh, have great friends there, and we've, we've met great – we've met friends that we've been friends with for years uh, when we lived in Pennsylvania. So it was just, just fantastic. The weather is beautiful. The surf is gorgeous. Uh, people are just great. So uh, 
good time. You know, everybody needs a break. And uh, I can recommend Palmas del Mar to you. Really a nice place. Uh, so we talked about the aeroponics. We talked about glaucoma. We talked about eating uh, as close to nature as possible, getting rid of all the processed foods. Really, guys, I can't tell you how important that is. And uh, I could tell you that I could report a little something about the can what I call, and Dr. and Ralph Moss, Moss calls the cancer industry. But maybe we should talk about uh, zinc. I mean, before we, anybody ever hear about zinc? Well, you know, if you listen to TV, you think uh, that the flu shot will make you invincible. Well, it's not so true. It's only effective around 3 to 5% of the time. And for years, our government tried to convince us that rolling up our sleeves was the only way to, to get, stay safe from the flu. Excuse me. <coughs> They've spent billions of dollars stockpiling the vaccine, even though some years it's failed more than 90% of the time. But now scientists have proven that a simple supplement you can buy for pennies a day may be the most powerful flu fighter we've ever seen. It actually jumpstarts your body's own natural defenses and kills the flu virus dead. And this natural cure won't just keep you healthy this year. It may keep you health from ever getting the flu again. How about a natural flu killer? Or not, the flu might not have much to do with how strong the virus is during any given year. It may have everything to do with how much zinc. Then we start popping zinc lozenges, right? But researchers at Tufts University have found that keeping your body stocked with zinc all year may be the secret to staying flu-free forever. They just wrapped up a study on nursing home patients, people who usually have very and often end up dying from the flu. After just a few months of taking zinc, these folks saw their body levels of natural killer T-cells skyrocket. These killer T-cells are your first line of defense against the flu, and they have the power to kill the virus before it replicates and makes you sick. How many killer T-cells you have circulating determines how serious a case of the flu you develop or whether the flu could end up killing you. Well, I could go on and on about this, but let's let me just summarize and then we'll, we'll call it a day. Lots of us are probably low in zinc, and that's probably for folks with weaker immune system, like immune systems like seniors, pregnant women, or people getting cancer treatments. If you're interested in loading up on zinc, here's a few tips. Try to work more food rich in zinc into your diet. What foods are rich in zinc? Oysters, scallops, shrimps, grass-fed beef, pumpkin seeds, mushrooms, spinach, and asparagus. If you're looking to supplement, most doctors would recommend doses of 15 to 25 milligrams a day. Now, although we talked about good things about coffee, remember this. When taking a zinc supplement, the caffeine can keep your body from absorbing that mineral by as much as 15%. And definitely consider supplementing with zinc if you're taking blood pressure medication, especially the ACE inhibitors or diuretics, and those popular stomach acid drugs like Pepsider or uh, Prilosec. These all have been proven to drain our bodies of zinc. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you got some information that you can use today. It's really a pleasure, and I I really have a just so much gratitude for all the listeners we do have to Rejuvenation Health Radio at this time on Tuesdays. Uh, we generally have a half-hour show, but sometimes we go to an hour, depending on how much information is out there. So thank you so much. Uh, have a great week. Next week, Dr. Jerry Smith with some great uh, information about electromagnetic fields and the newest ways to uh, diagnose disease. And I will see you then. Have a great night and a great week. Dr. Ron and Dr. Ron have left the building. Thank you for listening to Rejuvenation Health Radio here on BlogTalkRadio.com. See you next week. Ciao. There's a mommy and a daddy, right? Right. And see, when they call Geico, uh, they could save a bunch of money on car insurance. Oh, really? And that makes them happy? Yes, that makes them very happy. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could have this talk, sunshine. (laughs) Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer.